Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is David Barker. I've been coming to Grace for about 30 years now. I've served on boards and uh, most of you, or many of you may know me from uh, being the guy that used to welcome you at the door when you came into the sanctuary, but uh, hopefully we'll be back to that soon. Before we begin this morning, I've been asked to read a, a, a message, uh, so bear with me here. Uh, we wanted uh, to take a moment to remind you that as a church, we will begin our seven days of prayer challenge this coming Tuesday, June 22nd, just two days away if you're watching this on the 20th. Uh, we have created a prayer guide that will be available to everyone at Grace. If you are on our mailing list each day for seven days from June 22nd to 28th, you will receive a daily email which will include a list of prayer items to focus on for that day, a key verse or promise from scripture to have in mind as people pray that day, an action question to help you dive deeper into the discipline of prayer. Uh, in addition to the prayer guide, we also have opportunities to meet on Zoom to pray throughout the seven days, led by members of our prayer team. All the information can be found on the Grace, Grace announcement page at www.gracecommunity.ca forward slash announcements. And if you'd like to join the mailing list to receive the daily prayer prompts, you can sign up at the bottom of that announcement page. Today, I'd like to talk about how I believe that generosity changes everything. How do we give to God and how do we share with others? Do we do it with a joyful heart or with a sense of duty or obligation? Now, duty is an interesting word because it's a similar, it's a synonym of the word tax. So when we're giving or being generous, do we view that the same as we view paying our taxes or do we view it with excitement and fulfillment? How does it sit with us? So my message today is not to cajole you into putting more money into the uh, offering plate, but to take a look at generosity in a bigger, bigger sense. Perhaps God will open all of our eyes to something that may, that may have been missing all along. So I'd like to start with my text today, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 15. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, or she has decided in her heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. If I were to ask you, which topic has the most coverage in the Bible? Which topic is, is, is talked about the most in the Bible? What would you say? Faith, love, sin? Well, actually, you might be surprised to learn that it's, it's stewardship and money, uh, with somewhere over, just over 2,500 uh, various mentions in the Bible, some very short, some uh, in depth. That's more, four times more than any other subject covered, covered in scripture. So if it's that important to God, maybe it's something we should be paying a little bit of attention to. So who am I to talk? 
Well, I'm one of you, a traveler through life. Every one of us has a different path, and I'm still on mine. I'm by no means an expert, and I don't mean to be talking down to you like I've got it all figured out. Uh, but I wanted to share with you some things that I've been learning over the last number of years. Growing up, my parents were generous, I found out later, uh, but we rarely talked about it as a family, so I really didn't have any idea until later in life. For 30 years uh, in my career in financial services, I learned and taught others to get and hold on to money, that wealth was about getting more and keeping more. My success brought increasing wealth, but also increasing stress. Is it enough? Shouldn't I have more? What if I lose it all? I sat through an annual tithing sermon every year, and I would be great and learn a lot, but then I'd sit there thinking, okay, but how do I get from where we are today to where you want me to be? Because there's a big gap, and I don't know how to breach that gap. Then the change came upon me. It was about, probably about 10 to 15 years ago, and I just couldn't shake the feeling, am I squandering what God has given me? And then God laid it upon my heart that if I wanted greater fulfillment in life, it started with giving more. He pointed out that I had the means to give, I had the opportunity to give, what was lacking was my motive. So through prayer and through listening to God, I started to develop that motive, and that set me on the, a new path to incorporate generosity in all areas of my life. Today, I'm convicted that I'm on my new path because God wants me to be here. So today in my career, I have the privilege of being a generosity Sherpa, guiding people on the path towards a generosity plan, unleashing the power of purpose, strategy, and efficiency in their charitable giving. But the clients I deal with and the people I meet in the industry, uh, just every day I find that I learn way more than I ever teach anybody. It's just been an exciting four years now in that, in that field. And what I've learned is that of the 2,500 some odd uh, mentions of, of stewardship and money in the Bible, it basically boils down to three general principles. God, is, God owns everything. It's not ours, it's his. God is generous. He never stops giving to us. And God expects us to be generous. And how are we doing about that? So let's take a look at each one of those principles in depth. God owns everything. It starts right in the first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the New Testament, we see in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So it's important to understand that nothing we have is ours. It's all his. We don't own anything. We are stewards of what he has chosen to give us. Now, I'm not just talking about money here. So any of you that are starting to feel like that, I'm getting back to that topic again. I'm not. Generosity encompasses a number of things. In our industry, we call them the six T's. Time. What are you giving us for your time? For your time during the week? How much of it are you sharing, using it to share with others, to support others, to strengthen others, to give back, to support, to help? Talent. Are you using the talents that you've been given, and those could include spiritual gifts, to help others and to support others and to do the work of God uh, out there? Our treasure. Obviously, money's still a factor in here. You know, where are we spending our money? What are we spending our money on? Where is it going? And where should it be going? Trees, which re represents uh, the love of nature or the, the, the saving of nature. So we should be the forerunners on climate change. We should be the forerunners on um, uh, 
on ecology and conservation. Uh, things. Some of us don't really have a lot of money right now, but we have things. So if you've got things, what are you doing with those? How are you using those to bless others and bless God? And then themselves, whatever's within each of us, be it our faith, be it our love, be it our compassion, be it our, our, just our ability to listen and to talk to others. Are we sharing that? Are we being generous with those things? So God owns all those things. God's given us all those things. And how are we using them? So I wanted to share a story with you, and I'm sorry I'm going to have to read it. I tried to, to memorize it, but my memory is just not as good as it once was these days. So, so uh, it's called The Milk Pitcher. There's a beautiful story of a potter who needed a pitcher for the milk he poured on his cereal every morning. He measured the height of the shelves in his fridge and calculated the necessary dimensions for the pitcher. He went to the studio, chose the clay, and sat at the wheel. He made a shape pleasing to his eye. After all, it was his pitcher. He put on a handle and added a generous pouring lip, for that would be the main purpose of the pitcher. He brushed on some colorful glaze, fired it, and was well pleased with the result. He had created a beautiful pitcher. He took it home, filled it with milk, put it in the fridge, and went to bed. The next morning, the potter filled his bowl with cereal, opened the fridge, and reached for the beautiful new pitcher. The pitcher suddenly shouted, Oh no, you don't. Keep your hands off me. The potter responded, I was just going to pour some milk on my cereal. No, you're not, replied the pitcher. I worked hard to get filled with milk. I started out with no milk at all, but through hard work and careful planning, I am now full of milk. No one's going to come along and pour out all that I've worked so hard to achieve. I need all this milk for myself. Hmm, pondered the potter. I don't think you understand the real story here. You see, I created you and made you for the express purpose of filling you with milk so that I could pour it out each morning on my cereal. You were made to pour, not to store. Well, that's a nice story, but I don't buy it, said the pitcher. But seeing you are in need, I am a generous pitcher. I will give you two tablespoons of my milk. That should wet the cereal nicely. Everything in moderation, that's what I think. The potter looked deeply into the heart of the pitcher. You're afraid, he said. If you allow me to pour out the milk, you will find yourself empty. Then you think that you will be poor and I will throw you out and find another pitcher. You don't realize that if you allow me to empty you, I will have found you to be a priceless pitcher. Then I will continue to fill you up to the top over and over and over. We will become partners in emptying and refilling you. Perhaps if you are willing to be emptied more completely and more often, I will find other bowls of cereal who are longing to be drowned in the love of your giving. And what if I don't believe you and I want to play it safe? What if I just keep the milk I've got? The pitcher asked. Well, you're free to make that choice, the potter said sadly. Then I will have to make another pitcher that is willing to be my partner. I will have to set you on the back sh shelf of the fridge. You can keep your milk, but after a time it will be sour and your odor will keep everyone away. You will have missed the greatest job for which all pitchers are created, the joy of being poured out. Hope you enjoy that as much as I do, and I'm sure it doesn't take a rocket scientist to get the connection to what I'm talking about. So God owns everything is the first principle. The second one is God is generous. Let's go to John 3.16, a verse we all know well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God is so generous he gave himself to us. He paid the penalty on the cross so that we might live with him in this world sin-free and in the future in eternity with him. What a magnificent gift that was. Nothing that could ever be compared to, to it. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 out of the, uh, the, uh, the text I read earlier, 
as it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. God, Christ, keep giving. And my God, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God will give us everything we need. And then James 1.17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Now, we're not just talking about giving to charity here. We're talking about giving to everybody. Those around us, be it family, be it friends, be it strangers, be it people you don't know, be it colleagues at work, uh, be it people at church, uh, whatever it may be. So where are you being generous? There is no bounds to whom you can be generous to. Sure, you can be generous to charities. You can be generous to, to organizations that aren't charities. You can be generous to a lot of individuals and entities out there in the world. So how should we respond if God is generous? Well, praise certainly. Thanksgiving, gratitude is good. But perhaps what we need to look at is taking on the mantle of stewardship. What are we doing with the resources that we've been given? That's a question that all of us need to ask. And I'm not here to judge anybody, and I'm not here to look down at anybody. I'm just saying it's a question we all need to ask, each, ask ourselves and be honest with ourselves and be honest before God with it. I mean, think on the numerous parables on how we should be good stewards. There's, there's at least four or five that come to mind for me, the parables that Jesus told. So it's obviously a big issue for him, and I think it's something that we should really think about. I believe the spark of true generosity ignites once we acknowledge it all belongs to him. That's the key to start. But we can fan the flames by acknowledging the goodness of God, recognizing his generosity every day around us. I believe that will cause the fire within us to begin to burn brightly. C.S. Lewis put it this way in Mere Christianity, and I've changed a little bit of the financial thing here just so that it makes sense from a North American perspective. Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given to you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not in a sense his own already. It is like a small child going to its father and saying, Daddy, give me $5 to buy you a birthday present. It is all very nice and proper, but only an idiot would think that the father is $5 to, good, to the good on the transaction. We're giving, when, we give, when we're generous, when we give things away, when we share with others, when we give back to God, we're not giving anything that's ours. We're giving what's his, what he has given us. And we are just choosing to use a part of that to give to others and give back to God. Principle number three. So God owns everything. God is generous. Third one is God expects us to be generous. Proverbs 3.9 tells us, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Proverbs 21.13 says, Whoever closes his ears to the cry of the poor will ourselves call out and not be answered. Proverbs 19.17 says, Who is Whoever is generous, generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay us for our deed. And then from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6.19-21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in, on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I think a lot of us know that last verse. It's a very famous one. Many of us have taken it to heart. Many of it's a favorite. For us, it's a favorite verse. But I want to kind of put it in perspective. Something somebody once showed me that I thought blew my mind and completely changed the way I looked at that verse, and he went this way. He said, imagine this little dot right here is your life. 
whatever year, number of years have been granted on the earth. It could be as high as 110 these days. So that's your life on earth, this little dot. Now imagine a line being drawn from that dot all the way over and off and off into the distance here. That's eternity. So the question is, where do you want to build up your treasure? Do you want to build it up on this little dot, or do you want to build it on this huge expanse known as eternity? And I found for myself, I was focusing too much on this and not enough on that. And that's what I've tried to start to change over, the, over time. But it's a continuum. We're all on it somewhere. There's people who struggle to be generous at all because it's just so their background, the way they've been raised, the way they've, they're wired, it's very difficult for them. And there's people who is just very natural to be extremely generous. And most of us are somewhere in between those two. But we're all on the continuum. The question is, wherever you are, how do you move further to, to, to this side a little bit? How do you get more generous? And that's the questions to be asked. So God doesn't expect us to be completely generous overnight. It's, it's, it's a transition, it's a growth. It's, it's, it's an opportunity to get better and better. So what do we do with all this? Well, Dr. Russell James of Texas Tech University has researched what generosity does to the brain using CAT scans and MRIs. And he found that generosity and acts of kindness impact the pleasure center of our brains and trigger the release of dopamine. I mean, think about what that means. We are hardwired to be generous. Isn't that amazing? It's not surprising, really, because if we want to be more like God, if we're created in God's image, and if we want to be more like Jesus, then we obviously should be more generous because God is generous and Jesus was generous. Is it any surprise at all that all major religions hold giving as a core tenet? In my years in the financial services industry, a lot of the financial experts would tell their clients that the best way to accumulate wealth or to, uh, to be more successful financially <coughs> was to save first and then live on what was left. And those who did that tended to be more successful than those who didn't. I found that generous people give first, save second, and then live, what's on, live, live on what's left. I'll say that again. People give first, save second, and then get, learn to live on what's left. And that includes their time, their talent, their treasure, supporting God's creation, things they own, and themselves. This is what giving God our first fruits is all about, that we're thinking about him first and whatever happens and whatever's going on in our lives, whenever we maybe have an increase in income or a bonus or unexpected money, whenever we've been given something <coughs> that we didn't necessarily uh, pay for, what are we doing to share it? It's not, not, it's not a sin to have a nice home with nice things. Question is, what are you doing with them? It's not a sin to have a nice car. What are you doing with them? It's not a sin to be very successful and talented. What are you doing with those skills? What are we giving to God? So let's go back to today's text. For God loves a cheerful giver. That was 2 Corinthians 9. Now the word cheerful comes from the Greek word heleros. But heleros is also the word from which the English word hilarious derives. So could we not then say, for God loves a hilarious giver? So what would a hilarious giver look like? Joyful, unbridled enthusiasm, laughter, excitement, praise. 
does our giving look like this? Oh yeah, okay, so the church is an automatic debit and I've written the checks to these other churches and uh, yeah, I've got that mentoring I'm gonna do next week and uh, yeah, I'm gonna uh, teach the Sunday school lesson uh, this, this Sunday, so that, that's good. Or is it kind of like, man, I've been so blessed, I've been so lucky and so fortunate to get all these wonderful things from God and I just can't wait to share, share them with others. I can't wait to see others be blessed by what I've been blessed with. How do I do that? How do I make that happen? I think you can figure out which one God's probably looking for. And in case you just think that's my opinion, let's take a look at a real biblical example. Let's consider the story of Zacchaeus from Luke 19 verses 1 to 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through him. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a, 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 of a man who is a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pull that apart for a little bit here. So we've got this rich man exploiting others, despised in his community, not very popular. Jesus not only acknowledges him, but calls him out to host him for dinner. Jesus is demonstrating his generosity to Zacchaeus because there's all these people around that would have been more than happy to host Jesus for dinner, but Jesus chooses Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus comes down, they go and have dinner. Now Zacchaeus has dinner with Jesus, he chats with them, they're talking a little bit, and he's so moved just by being with Jesus that he radically changes and his generosity ignites. I mean, so much so that there's gonna be big tax refunds coming for the people of Jericho. Jesus is then able to use the change in Zacchaeus to further spread his message. Not, over in the not only in the last statement, he says, but if you read on, we pass that, he goes on to talk about other things along that line. So being with Jesus will trigger generosity and generosity will draw us closer to Jesus. So it's a nice combo thing there that works there. Jesus will cause us to be more generous and the more generous we are, the more we draw closer to him. If we are called to be like Jesus, then we are called to be generous. And the neat, the neat thing in this story is that I missed the first time until I was looking, looking at it again. God will use our generosity to reveal himself to the world. It's a form of evangelism. How exciting is that? For those of us who aren't comfortable pre, you know, talking openly or to, to preaching the word aloud on the streets or for being very dyn dynamically talking about Jesus in a crowd, one of the great ways to actually be an evangelist is to be generous. And the more you share with others, the more you support, the more you help others. Again, it could be financially, it could be any of the other categories I've been talking about. The more we're spreading the word of God and letting them understand what the heart of God and who God really is. So how do we become a hilarious giver? Well, let's recap. We have to acknowledge that God owns everything. I can't stress that point enough. It's not mine, it's his. And it, it can be mind-blowing when you start to capture the sense of all that. We have to recognize his generosity in our lives. Most of us probably do in our daily prayers. Uh, but I think we really need to focus on just focusing and realizing, recognizing when God is being very generous to us.
And we need to answer his call to give of our time, talent, treasure, our care for nature, our possessions, all that is within us, and share it with those around us and back to God. See, one of the things I've discovered is that it's less about how much we give and more about how we're giving. How are we giving? Not what are we giving? And I'm not here, there's smarter people than me that can tell you what the right number is or what the right amount, but my own opinion is the right amount for you to be giving financially back to the church and to charities is whatever God moves in your heart to do. <clears throat> Some people aim for 10 as a nice number. Some people do less than that, but give more of their time, talent and resources. And some people give way more beyond 10%. So I'm not here to pick out a number here. What is God driving you to do? So what we need to do to become a hilarious giver is to draw on the power of the Spirit and spend time close to Jesus. I once asked God how much more I should give. His answer was yes. So personally these days, I'm less focused on the amount, but more on the opportunities. God is putting more and more opportunities in my, my life to be generous, and I'm trying to recognize them and, and act on them and not be stingy and not be fearful, but to give and to give and to give where I can. Let's remember, our lives are a few score years. Remember the dot. Eternity is forever. Where should we be laying up our treasures? Here or here? When generosity is top of mind, here's something that, sorry, the big thing that I've learned that's really kind of been transforming in my life is, when gen generosity is top of mind, the hold that money and possessions on, has on us begins to decrease. We can stop serving mammon and start serving God, or at least serve mammon less and God more. And I began to understand that, that Bible verse a little bit more. The, the way that I put all my trust and my fear and my anxiety into money and possessions before is now transforming into understanding that it's all God's, God's blessing me, God will continue to bless me in some capacity. My job is to be a good steward and to share with others the blessings that I've had. If we do all this, we just might find to our wonder that generosity, in fact, changes everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you own everything. You've created everything. And not only have you created and that you own everything, but you've given so much to us. You gave us yourself. You died on the cross so that we might live forever. And we're so grateful for that. We just can't believe that kind of a gift. And we just we praise you for that and thank you for that. But we also recognize that you want us to be more generous. So move in each one of our hearts, helping us to discover specifically how you want us to be more generous, whether it's with our time or our talent or our treasure or our care for nature or the possessions or ourselves. What do you want us to give more of? It could be any combination of those things, but please speak to us in our hearts and let us know. We love you. We thank you so much. And we just ask for your blessings upon us. Give us the strength and the power to be who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.